This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk for Tuesday, July the 2nd. I'm your host, D.A. And the NBA world continues to turn. We now wait to see where Kawhi Leonard ends up. But everybody moving everywhere, and the questions continue to arise. How will all of these changes in rosters and players changing teams fit? Let's start with the modern dynasty, the Golden State Warriors, who watch... Kevin Durant, leave for Brooklyn, and have to trade Andre Iguodala as well, and in return, do get D'Angelo Russell, an all-star point guard from the Nets. But how does D'Angelo fit into a system where he's not a true shooting guard? He'd be next to Steph Curry in the backcourt. And then once Klay Thompson was healthy and ready to come back, D'Angelo would seem to be out of a job. Well, let's start with Bobby Marks, ESPN front office executive analyst who joined Memphis's Gary Parish show on 92.9. Well, he's there at least till December 15th yes. because, you know, free agents can't be signed after that. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I understand that you if you just let Durant walk, you know, without creating, um, you know, or doing, a, you know, the sign the double signing trade here, then you're, you're over the you're over the cap, so it's not like you're going to be able to go out and sign D'Angelo for, um, you know, in room here. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting, at least for the first couple months, the pairing of, um, you know, Curry and Russell together, you know, starting with Clay out. Um, but that team, there's a lot of work to do, Gary. I mean, there is. You, know, you take Russell back and it hard caps, you had 138.9, and when you add up the money, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at minimums here. I mean, guys, you're going bargain shopping to fill out your roster. You're really going to have to hope some of your, your younger kids um, really develop quickly. We're talking to Bobby Marks here, NBA front office insider from ESPN. Just a couple of more things. Jimmy Butler, um, I, I guess the deal's still got to get finalized, but he uh, prefers Miami. Is there any insight? It just did. Okay, just so, done. so it is done now. Is there any insight to why in a time where guys like him seem to be trying to – go to places where they can convince themselves at least we got a chance to win a championship. He decides he'd rather be in Miami than, than I guess, Philadelphia. Do we have an understanding as to why? I think he wants to have center, the, the stage all to himself down there. Mm. You know, I think it's, you know, when you're in Minnesota and you're sharing it with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and, and that group there, and when you go to Philadelphia and it's Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid and um, Ben Simmons, and you're the third or fourth guy there. I think in Miami he will be on center stage, and um, we'll see. You know, we'll see how it plays out. You know, this was kind of, you know, Miami's big swing. It cost them. You know, I mean, it cost them some draft picks, cost them some players. Josh Richardson's a nice player, um, and we'll see where this contract goes. It's four years, 142 million for a guy who's got a lot of miles on his legs. 
I'm wrapping up here with Bobby Marks from ESPN. Last thing before I let you go, the big story still out there. What is Kawhi Leonard going to do? It appears he's probably picking between Toronto and the Lakers. There were reports yesterday that Lakers have emerged as the favorite. Um, but who knows? Obviously, what what do you expect? Do it first off. Do you have a timetable for for you? You think Kawhi Leonard will know what he's doing? Will know what Kawhi Leonard's doing by when? July 5th. Oh, God. Really? Five days? <laughs> and my wife would not be a big Kawhi Leonard fan if that is the case here because I've been in Connecticut far too long. Oh, man. So, um, I think this thing could just drag out. I don't even think he's taking meetings yet here. So, um, I mean, we've got the Clips. We've got, my, uh, we've got the Clips. We've got the Lakers. And we've got Toronto here. We'll, we'll see where it goes. I mean, each situation is different. You know, you go to Toronto, you, can, you have the chance to win a championship again. You go to the Clippers, and you are basically – it's like going to Toronto from a year ago. And then if you go to the Lakers, you're part of, a, I guess, a, you know, the big three. And then that team has is filling out that roster with minimums here. So um, it will be interesting here as far as what he does. Is it clear to you that if it is LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, that's – you know, we've had a lot of big threes. Is that the best big three we've ever seen? I would say so, yeah. I mean, I think you have three players in the top – Five or six, right? I mean, yeah. you can you can probably um, you know, you could probably make that argument. And I think, but I think it's a little bit different, Garrett. In 2010, you know, I mean, LeBron is, um, you know, he's nine years older, right? Right. I mean, so, you know, are you going to find that Mike Miller out there or players like that um, that are willing to kind of take a discount here? Um, you know, but if you have Kawhi and AD for, you know, in the next four years, that's um, you know, that's pretty good. You know, on the one hand, this kind of makes sense because. It allows the Warriors to not let Kevin Durant leave for nothing. You get an asset in return. But on the other hand, does D'Angelo Russell really fit? I mean, ultimately, D'Angelo Russell is a guy that needs the ball in his hands. They run a lot of pick and rolls for him, or they did in Brooklyn. And that is not something that he's going to do at all when it comes to the Golden State offense. And perhaps there's a splash brother quality that he can fit into for the first half of the season. But if Clay Thompson comes back at the end of the season, will we see him moved by the trade deadline? Will we see the offense flow as well without Clay? Is this going to be rocky? It's interesting that we just went from a five year period where the Warriors could seemingly do no wrong to now tons of questions percolating around Golden State and what they can be and what they will be in this upcoming season. Maybe it's a significant step back for them. Now, on the Warriors' front, we get news, a memo from Joe Lacob, the owner, the prominent owner of the Golden State Warriors, that under his watch, Kevin Durant's number 35 will never be issued again. Really? KD was there for three years. Let's hear from the guys on Joe Lowe and Dibs at 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. I love it, and it shows class, in my opinion. And KD... They're right. He was a transitional superstar. Got played three years here. I mean, can we can we pump the brakes just a little bit? Before you don't like we, the move. I don't think. Oh, it, I don't think. First of all, if you will allow me to uh, to proceed at your at your leisure and your approval, of course. <laughs> first of all, he's not even saying that they're going to retire his number. What he said is, as long as I am the co-chairman, no one will wear number thirty-five. Fair enough. That is not. First of all, that's not a jersey retirement. A. And B, even if you were going to make such a move, why do we have to rush so quick to to do such a thing? The guy played three years here. It was a nice three-year run. 
You won two titles. He's moving on to Brooklyn. Fine. Let him go to Brooklyn. Take a deep breath. As an organization, you don't have to give Smiley Geach or Poole. You don't have to give them number 35. They're not wearing 35 anyway. No one's going to wear 35. We don't have to rush to this spot of, oh, no one again, as long as I'm co-chairman. Well, either retire his number or don't retire it. This is not retiring it. Take a breath, everybody. Dibs. It's Dibs. okay. Dibs. Interesting. Take I like a this. breath. Dibs. It's okay. Dibs. With all due respect, come on. How long did Carl Malone play? He played about 20 years. And where did he play? He played at Utah, How Lowe. many titles did he win? He didn't win a title. How many Reggie Miller years did he play? Low, I know where you're going. So, my you're answer, answer the question, thank sir. You, dear, yeah, Reggie, thank Miller, you. Answer, played, Reggie Miller played probably about 15 <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah, Patrick Ewing. Exactly. The list goes on. How I'm, quickly hang on, hang on, did they did come I out and all say... Right, all right, easy, okay. easy. These are good counterpoints. These are good conversations. I'm just going to... Go ahead. Can I go ahead? Oh, I'm, yes. just, I'm sorry, Dibs. With you all you okay. fin- finish thank your point. I just wanted to finish my point. We'll jump back in then. Okay, if I may. So all those great players that we talked about, they came to an organization and they brought them there to win titles. And a lot of these guys we're talking about, the Nashes and all these guys, they did a hell of a job. Some of these guys, one of them had the best scores the game has ever seen. But they didn't win titles. Kevin Durant here was brought here for one thing, and that is to stop LBJ. LeBron James, if he was still in Cleveland when Kevin Durant came, they would have won a more championships. This run wouldn't have been what it is. Kevin Durant should be, and I think this is great what they're doing. I think if you look at what he did, the purpose that he served. He didn't say, like you said, it's retiring forever, but as long as he's the GM and being a part, he said no one's wearing that number. I'm fine with it. I don't think it's rush. I think that it shows respect. The guy, what he did, you got to admit, we had a guy here that was, that was unbelievable talent to watch in the moments that he gave you and the highlight reels that he put, put before you. It was unbelievable. All right. Uh, the Are run- you done? The runway's clear, and there will be no interruptions here, Dibs. Carl Malone was a legend who played about 20 years with a singular team, and they didn't retire his number 24 hours after he left to the Lakers. I I don't believe, I don't even know if his number's retired. Reggie Miller spent a career as a legend in Indiana, and they didn't rush to retire his number within moments of him departing, and he didn't go to another team. Kevin Durant was here for three years. He was brought in as a hired gun. He did what he was supposed to do. It's great. I'm not saying that you should rush out and have the next... Tom, Dick, or Harry wear number 35, but you don't have to rush out and gush out, quite frankly, and say that no one will even think about, no one will even utter the number 35 well, as long as I'm here. I felt like it was an empty gesture, and it's not truly a number retirement. So what is it? If my number hangs at Oracle, and I spent my career like Chris Mullen here as a legend, and all of a sudden this hired gun is going to join me in the rafters, it's inappropriate. That's interesting point. Let me ask. Let me just ask a question. Do you see this as more politics than anything else? Absolutely. And it's an it's an empty gesture. And it fine politically, it sends a message that oh yeah, we're all class. Just like taking out a full page ad in the Toronto newspaper. Great, is, great gesture. It's nice. Is twenty four being uh, is twenty three being worn in Cleveland? Is is Shaq's number being worn in 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 L A? It's interesting because why those guys won titles. When you win titles, you do certain things. Magic Johnson's jersey wasn't worn. See, when you win titles, it does. It puts you in a totally different situation. I mean, this just reeks of a front office and an organization that feels really guilty about what happened to Kevin Durant and that Achilles heel. After you saw Bob Myers melt down and start crying, openly weeping the, the night of the injury, and then you have Steve Kerr also 
acting like he's completely embarrassed or sad or frustrated that it happened that way, saying they would never do that again. And now having Joe Lacob say his number's going to be retired. I mean, this just all seems like going so far over the top to make sure that Kevin Durant feels loved and maybe that the Warriors are trying to do a make good, but it makes them feel guilty that they're going so far overboard to honor KD. And does any of this happen if KD is not injured? That he doesn't rip his Achilles and is basically out there compromised? I think there's an element of this to feeling guilty that they misdiagnosed the injury, put him back out there, threatened his career, and so now they're going overboard trying to make it up to him. Elsewhere in the West, the Portland Trailblazers acquire big man Hassan Whiteside. Now, Whiteside had a huge breakout season a couple of years ago for the Heat. He made a huge amount of money, and then after that, seemed to work his way out of the franchise. So why exactly did Whiteside get traded, and what does he bring to Portland? Here's the Joe Rose Show with Zach Krantz on WQAM in Miami. The frustrating part is this guy could very well put up numbers in Portland. And we could be looking, no, at, we be. Could be looking at this next season and be like, wow, this, this guy can can actually play, and this is a little bit frustrating. Look, we've seen it. Well, 17, but, 14, and two yeah. blocks. Like, we've seen the guy, and he's got... That was two years ago. Yeah, but I'm just saying he's he could play. Yeah. We know that. The problem is, is that Spolster gave up on this guy because there was obviously a reason. There's not. He didn't just say, I don't need a seven-foot guy in my lineup anymore. I yeah. don't need a guy that's a double-double guy right. anymore. There's something behind there. Immaturity, whatever it was. The diff, He's just not... He wasn't part of this Heat team. Like, it was just, he was out there. You saw it after big games. Nobody does it with blocks. Where are my stats? I'm pissed off because my NBA 2K ratings aren't that good. Like, you just knew at that point there's an immaturity level that just didn't do it down here for Spo. And if that's the case, a $100 million mistake. That's what Riley did. A couple years ago was a mistake. I don't know, I don't know if it goes a $100 million mistake Sorry, $98 totally. million. Dollars. No, no, I mean, no. no. I'm not saying the, the amount time, of money. Right? Did you have to? What's that? You had to sign him at the time. I don't think a lot of people were... We're bitching when they locked him down I thought, at the time. Listen, I, I was one of big mouths that said, hey, I, I, this guy could be a 20 and 15 guy. He got it up to 17 and 14. And I was like, my God, we were seeing, remember those 2020 games? and He had big games. And I was like, there's no reason this, can't, this guy can't average 18, 19 a game. 15 rebounds. He he. I've never seen a guy get batches of rebounds like this guy. Yep. I have never seen, even last year, he come out of the first quarter with six rebounds. You're like, geez, there's guys in the league don't average big guys that don't average six rebounds a game. He's bunching them up before. But he did have the shortest leash we've seen ever, maybe with Spolster. Yes. Because of the fact he was so immature. It's I, worse I than go, Beasley. I go Beasley. all over and and listen, man, I get it. You want him to start to grow up a little bit. They they say he's a good guy. He doesn't have a bad bone in his body. But listen, man, once you get the money, this goes for every guy in this town. This is how sports work. Um, you weren't a first-round pick, so you were good. And again, the way it started, you know, the Heat were praised. They found this guy. My God, look what they've turned him into. This is unbelievable. The numbers he's getting. When everybody gave up, remember he had a little chip on his shoulder about Sacramento and everything. You're like, man, this guy, uh, this is awesome. And then he got that money, and once he got that big contract, he just could not for whatever live up to it, and then the Spo, whatever happened, and Spo can put a positive spin on it. Riley can put a positive spin on everything they want with them, which they will, because that's what you do in this league. You don't want to upset other guys that might see it. No, so, of course not. I get it. 
But privately, if we're beer talking, no, you know, that, that's they're a going, different man, conversation. we couldn't get his ass out yeah. of here. They, they showed their hand. They don't have to say anything. Don't lie to me. Don't tell me we got a great deal that we could. I mean, we had to take. You just, you, you, t- what we've been saying is a reason you traded this guy as soon as Portland said, hey, our starting center's not ready to go. We lost our backup. He's gone. He's going to Boston. We really need this guy, and we know he's a double double every night. Yep. He is. Yep. <clears throat> Even as a backup, he's a double double. No, he he's, a, he's a 12 10, and 12 guy off the 11, bench. 12, yeah. 10, 11, 12 yep. in rebounds, get you a couple of blocks. So That team will also fit his style a little bit better. That team will run up and down the floor and give him an opportunity to. What, what are you get talking that about? Kind of he's got to get but... back. He's got to get up and down. No, that's I know, it. He's he got to run. Athlete. He, he is. When he wants to be, I that's know, it. No, no. When he, when he, he, is, he is a seven foot. I was amazed when we got him. Like, what is wrong with this guy? Got great hands. He's long. He runs really well. There's nothing stiff about watching him run up. Like, a lot of guys are like, you know, we've seen some real stiffs go up and down the court. But this guy, when he wants to. When he wants to. Yeah, he didn't get that money because Riley's, like, really nice about just overpaying guys. They gave him that money. He had other offer to match it, and Riley jumped up, especially. Timing, everything was right for it with all the crap that was going on in the organization. And and the the big three was getting ready to. Look, it started the rift with Dwayne Wade because of that. I really like this play for Portland. I mean, if you swap in Hassan Whiteside for Ennis Cantor, I think you're upgrading there. And I know that Cantor was a fan favorite, but Whiteside is going to have to prove himself to get his next contract here at the back end of this one. And I think that they've upgraded that position. And for the Blazers, you know, I think that in doing what they did, they made themselves better. And who knows, on a team that has... Championship aspirations, maybe Whiteside is far more focused or driven or ambitious, but I think that ultimately Portland is a very sneaky team right now in the West, and the Whiteside edition makes a lot of sense for them. We know one team that won't be contender, the New York Knicks, and people still wondering how could the Knicks have flubbed this this badly? How do they clear the deck for all these contracts and players not get any of them? Is it possible that a couple of years ago when James Dolan threatened Charles Oakley, threw him out of the garden, banished him for life, and then called him an alcoholic on the radio, that actually has seeped through the NBA? Well, here is Charles Oakley, who joined John Jastrzemski and Kim Jones on WFAN in New York. Is the main reason why a lot of these guys are not choosing to play for the New York Knicks? Is he the guy? Well... I think I talk to a lot of guys. I talk to a lot of guys representing too, and a lot of them is still upset about what happened two years ago. I don't know, you know, people respect me, and a lot of stuff went on went right, and from the commission on down, nobody trying to address it, but the players seen it for themselves, and you know they're not trying to go on and like where someone says something, somebody gonna come over the top here with an axe, or somebody gonna come and. You know, do whatever, put handcuffs on them. They don't want that kind of environment. So I don't know what to say. And you know, I just feel bad for the city of New York, the fans who get their heart and soul, sweat and tears to come to games, and, and they have to keep going through this. Charles, thanks so much for joining us today. Have some of those players told you directly that the Gardens' treatment of you makes them unlikely to want to become a New York Knick? 
Uh, have some of they represented, yes, and some players. I've been around a lot of players. Um, you know, not just, you know, I'm a groupie of the players. Uh, players, you know, I'd be consistent. I'd be around. I'd be in a lot of situations the players be. Show them love. They show me love. You know, as a guy who played the league, played a long time, played in New York. And I go back to LeBron incident, and a lot of people are like, well, you told LeBron not to come to, to New York. No, I didn't tell LeBron not to come to New York. LeBron made the decision on his own, but, you know, LeBron's a smart guy. So you figure LeBron don't come to New York, and LeBron's the face of the NBA. And other people are like, well, he don't go there. He got a big brand, you know. So, well, I guess New York ain't all what it is. But for the fans, New York is New York. But for the playoffs now, it's just it's a different ball game. I mean, they don't want to be around no bad, toxic situations. Kim Jones and JJ, our guest, Charles Oakley. Charles, on your Twitter account, June 26th, so earlier this week, there's a picture of you, with you and Kevin Durant. Your arms are around each other, and you're wishing him a speedy recovery. Do you think your situation and your relationship with the Garden affected Kevin Durant's decision on what team he would play for next? Well, I ain't going to say it made a whole 100% difference. I was told some things. That the guys they go on, you know, respect my, you know, as a guy who played in New York and did this, and you know, just they weren't happy what they saw, and you know, the drug out of place. I, a lot, you know, the fans in New York not happy. A lot of people not happy, but I guess they said if you do it to him, anything can happen. So, but you know, I don't want to hold that against the Knicks. I will, you know, hey, best of luck. You know, they try to Zion Williams. But my thing is, it wasn't no guarantee, you know. Right. Ain't nothing guaranteed, you know, um, for us, like a player or movement, you know. I know they were saying they had like seventy million dollars, so you so the money wasn't the money wasn't a thing. And I guess me and everybody was saying like, you know, they know they come to New York, so you know these guys are real, you know, real sensitive out here these days, and they think you figure you got them figure out, and they gonna say no, you don't. We got you figure out. <laughs> so, uh, you know, hey, I mean, it's going to be tough to be in New York to see, you know, they say the little brother, not the big brother, taking over the city. Man, everybody saw that. Everybody in the league saw how embarrassing that was. And I'm sure players saw that and said, why am I going to work for an owner like that? He's unhinged. He's vindictive. And for Oakley, who is one of the most popular players in franchise history, to be the one that the owner picks a fight with, it just goes to show you how bad the judgment is, how bad the decision-making is, and how vindictive he is. And sure, I'm sure that does not look good or sell well across the league when players want to be treated really well. And we were just talking about the retirement of Kevin Durant's jersey. I mean, maybe that's a little too far, but that's the type of stuff that you see now going overboard to honor players that are there or players that have left instead of the other way around, spitting in the face of those players. What happens now in Boston? The Celtics have brought in Kemba Walker, but lost Al Horford. They do sign Cantors, we just mentioned before. In Philadelphia, you have Al Horford, who is joined now by Tobias Harris, as well as obviously the two young studs of the Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. But how much does Horford have left of the tank at this point in his career? Well, here's former Celtic and current Celtics analyst Brian Scalabrini, who's now a Radio.com basketball insider, who joined the WIP Morning Show in Philadelphia to give his thumbnail on Al Horford. 
what can you tell us about him that Sixers fans would want to know? I'm pretty confident he'll be really, really good next year, and he'll be really good the second year. As far as like looking into a guy when he's 35 years old, I really have no idea how that decline happens. I will say the guy takes meticulous care of his body, eats right, works out all the time, um, professional, and, and like all those things that you would think would uh, – it, it, but basically, like not living the rock star lifestyle at night means like guys when they start to decline, they decline a lot slower. And he hasn't ever been that guy. So, you're, I think as a six-year fan, you're hoping and praying he's going to be good. You know, three years from now, four years from now. Which I think that was the reason why the Celtics kind of backed off mm. of, of signing him to a four-year deal. Plus the fact that if Kyrie Irving was going to leave, they wanted to make sure they had enough room to sign a, a dynamic guard like Kemba Walker. But you guys got the perfect guy to be a team that could be an NBA finalist in the, in the Eastern Conference. And not only that, and I know I'm like looking way ahead, if Kawhi Leonard goes to the Lakers and they got Anthony Davis, uh, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and you guys are somehow, some way, you guys beat Milwaukee or, or, or in the finals, he, you have the perfect guy to be able to guard all three of those guys. So and defensive versatility is the name of the game. Brett Brown has uh, flexibility offensively. You can play him at five, not too much five, if MB goes to the bench. So – you got a perfect guy, and it's a big-time upgrade. And I would say the last thing would be Isaiah Thomas was a stud for Boston. He was running screen and roll without Horford. Kyrie Irving comes, and he was great. He was running screen and roll. Even Terry Rozier, hmm. at times, when, he was, uh, when Kyrie was out, he was a stud for Boston. And that was all because they were running, whether it be the hand-back, hand-off without Horford or the pick-and-roll without Horford. So I can only imagine – how good Ben Simmons is going to be running pick and roll without Horford. Well, uh, Brian, uh, going back just a few weeks, were you surprised or was it expected that Horford was going to decline that player option, the $21 million player option? Uh, it was $31 million, uh, 30, was, Excuse uh, me, $31 yeah, million. Yeah, I was I – was, yeah, with the cap jumping $9 million and all the teams out there, and you just have to look at the teams that have space, are they interested in signing a guy like Al Horford? Like, he is – like if your if your ship was a little off track, he can write your ship all the way. Like that's like if Philly clearly was like they were good last year, no question about it. But let's just say that Embiid and and Ben Simmons at times need to show more maturity. Embiid has to learn how to operate his life outside of basketball, so he's not getting sick three of of a seven game series. And so, yeah, Al Horford's going to help with all that stuff. And plus, he's a really really good player. So. I knew that with the teams out there that had space and the teams out there that needed a guy like that, which, in my opinion, everyone needs a guy that can shoot 40% from three, guard multiple positions, and, 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 uh, and also drive the ball to the basket and make great passes. So, yeah, I think I kind of figured he was going to opt out. I was just surprised that he got four years, $109 million. <laughs> yeah, we were shocked. I thought he would get yeah. uh, my, uh, three years max, and the third year, team's already like, okay, we're, we know we're going to be paying for it on the th- th- third year, but we really need him now and next year. Yeah, I think for now it's a really good signing for the 76ers, but I think that that's fair to really be concerned about what happens on the back end of this contract, but – Considering the 76ers haven't won a world championship at NBA Finals since 1983, and considering it's been a long time since the Allen Iverson years, even if they just win a championship on the front end of this thing, and on the back end you have Horford's contract that's an albatross around your neck, that's okay. They'll take it in Philadelphia. That's fine. And I do think that the Horford signing makes a lot of sense right now and makes the 76ers absolutely one of the power teams of the NBA. Finally, Miguel Cabrera is going to be in Baseball Hall of Famer one day. He's going to be in Cooperstown. 
And he's had a lot of hits and a lot of home runs and a lot of RBIs for the Detroit Tigers. But is it possible now at the very tail end of his career, he's ruining his legacy? Here's 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit with Jamie and Stoney. Is it going to get to the point where he wrecks his own Detroit Tigers legacy? It might be if his production continues the next year or so to be what it is right now as far as power numbers. And if he has incidents like he had Saturday or Sunday, if this continues, look, he never ran out everything anyway for, for years. Just remember that. If it, and if he continues and he's going to show up at, out of shape, yeah, it would hurt his legacy a little bit. But look, he's still playing hurt. He, you know, his knee's still effed up. Is it ever going to get healthy? I don't think. No. I don't think he. Will, I, don't, I don't think he'll ever get be healthy. I really don't. Okay, so here's. Let's get to the chase here. All right, so can this that's happening right now co- coexist for another three years? No, this can't. There's this no, dynamic so of this. So they're either going to have to figure out a way to either buy him out, which I don't know if that's fiscally possible or that they want to do that. He can't do this that long. Or he'll have he, to or he'll have to retire. He's going to combust because I'm sorry. He's it, all superstars have egos and this has got to crush him and that's probably the way he, and reason why he's acting out in certain ways. You you might be right and I don't disagree and I don't think he I think it kills him not to play first base on most days. I mean really every day now. And I know they, uh, you know, said they're going to maybe put him back at first a couple of times. So I think that kills him number one because he doesn't have but, fun in the dug- but, dugout because he has right. fun talking to the other 100%. players. But but I think the other thing too is when you the biggest to me when when you're not yourself right and you're declining and you're 36, the minimum thing you can do is show up in shape. Right, and the guy is not in shape now. You want to say that's because of the knee? Then fine, I guess we can have a conversation. But but he cannot get around on a fastball like he used to, which I think is hurting his power. But all these things—is that, is that shape or knee? Well, I, I mean, again, it's, I think it's knee. Okay, so then he's the using too much thing, upper body. Yeah, the shape thing is running and that that stuff. And so so you just don't think he could be in shape? I don't think I don't I don't think he is in yeah, shape. He got personal trainers. I, mean, I, I understand. I, I, it's his fault that he's not in, in shape. I'm not absolving him at all. I also think the whole DH thing, whether he wants to admit it or not, has really effed up his head. And I think maybe, and it's just it's maybe it's wishful thinking on my part that maybe in the off season he realizes this is what I'm going to be. I'll come to Lakeland in shape and realize, and somebody tells him, "Look, you want to you want to be." Miggy, who screws up his legacy, or do you want to be Big well, Poppy? But Tom brought up something interesting because because he's got four more years, right? Right. And at some point, you're going to see a lot of these young guys that are supposed to be the future of this organization come up to the team. Is Miggy the guy you want there? Because let's be honest, I'm not saying this to be mean. Miggy isn't the leader, rah, rah, come, I'll tutor you type guy. I know. He's just a fabulous hitter. Right and had a fabulous career, so so that's something for the Tigers to think about, and that's kind of what Lynn Henning was tweeting about this weekend. You know, the big thing is production. You can be a type of guy that might be an annoyance, that might be aggravating, and if you're producing, people are going to be totally okay with it. But if you're not producing at the end of your career, and you're making headlines for the wrong reasons, and you're not a great teammate, and you're not a good employee, and you're out of shape... That's when it really starts. And it's funny. All you got to do is play the good soldier at the end of your career. That's it. 
just, you know, make sure you don't look lazy. Be the elder statesman. Even if you are overweight, people will still love you for what you did. But just be a good teammate. Be a good leader. Be the clubhouse presence. And you're going to be fine. And if Cabrera can't figure that out, I mean, come on, Miggy. This isn't that tough. You can have all the gyros you want in Greektown in Detroit. Just make sure you act as a good, responsible leader, the elder statesman in the, in the clubhouse, and people are going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Where will Kawhi land? Maybe we'll know tomorrow. We'll see you then for Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 